So we've been talking about ability. Um, we started talking about God is able. And uh, again, it was kind of the message after what, everything that was going on with Loiza, what we were seeing, what God was doing, his hand, his mighty hand, and watching in real time uh, the power of God at work. And so I think it was three weeks ago, we started talking about how God was able when we looked at Abraham and his name being El Shaddai, and almighty, the most mighty, the self-mighty, the all-powerful, the most powerful, the self-powerful, who he is. We talked about Mary when the angel Gabriel showed up to her, and that's where we got the phrase that God is able, because the angel said to her, is there nothing impossible for God? And we looked at the actual translation, and the actual translation says that every word from the Lord comes with power. So everything that God declares, everything that he says comes with that power, that ability, that ableness to be able to do it. Pa, can you give me uh, some markers and I think it's the one underneath the computer. Uh, black, please. Um, everything that he says, everything that he declares comes with the power, comes with the might, comes with the strength, comes with the ability, thank you, sir, the ability to be able to do it. So. What the angel told her was what God says he's able to do because it has power. And so Mary's response was, well, let what God said happen. And with that, we looked at the Old Testament. We looked at Moses talking to Joshua. Uh, we looked a little bit in Hebrews uh, uh, when it says that uh, I will never leave you or forsake you because the next response become, OK, well, let's look at the scripture and let's see what God declares, what he says. Let's associate his power and the ability that comes with what he says. And then let's look at our response. What is my response? Because every word of God, because it comes with power, it comes with the ability to do. That means something's going to be done or something needs to be done. So what is my response based on the power and the ability that comes with God's declared word. And so we start looking at what God said in his word he is able to do. And so we saw that God is able to heal. We saw that he was able, he will be with you and never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, today we're going to look at book of Hebrews. So turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is probably, ah, probably my second favorite book. I would, I would have to say that if I had to pick favorite books. Uh, Hebrews is probably my second favorite. But Hebrews chapter 7, we're going to look at what else God is able to do. It's a good study. If you want to take some time and, and you want to study some things, go get your concordance. I guess you don't have to do concordance these days because everyone has a computer or a phone. But type in uh, he is able in your concordance or in your Google and look at the Bible and all the scriptures that show what God says he is able, he is able, he is able, he is able. And look at all those things he's able to do according to his word. In Hebrews chapter seven, uh, the writer of Hebrews, don't know if it was Paul, but it was the writer, the writer of Hebrews, the theme of Hebrews, anybody remember what the theme of Hebrews was when we went through the book of Hebrews? Better. Better, better. <laughs> the thing of Hebrews, the theme of Hebrews was better. And what the writer was showing is he was talking to the Hebrews, the children of Israel, uh, 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 post Christ, Christ had died, he rose from the dead. They were under persecution. 
Okay, the Christians were under persecution, and the writer was talking to the Jews during that time, the Hebrews, and his concept was that everything is better. Hey, guys, we used to have this, but now we have something better. We used to have this. And so he went through the scriptures, and he went through all the things that happened in the Old Testament, and he was comparing them to now. We used to have an offering, and the offering was these lambs, and we would kill these lambs, and it would take care of our atonement for a little bit. But now we have a better lamb. We have a better sacrifice. We had some prophets before. They would tell us some stuff. We would listen. We would listen. But now we have a better prophet in Christ. We had some priests. And so the whole book of Hebrews is talking about better. So when we look at Hebrews chapter 7, let's start at verse... Uh, 20. He's talking about the priesthood. He started in chapter 7 talking about Melchizedek, and he's talking about priests. So verse 20 says, none of this happened without an oath, for others became priests without an oath, but he became priest with an oath that made the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn, and when I change his mind, you are priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus, watch this, verse 22, has become the guarantee of a better, there's that word, covenant. Verse 23, now many have been Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able, there it is, he is able, that word able means he has the power, he has the might, he has the ability. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for us. God is able to save completely. I like what the writer of Hebrews does. He, he, he's talking about better, and he's talking about the priest. He said, now listen, and, and I say Old Testament, but this is what was going on currently at the time. The priest was still taking people's lambs and sheep and going and sacrificing them. And what the writer said was, listen, Currently, our priests are temporary. Okay, we have temporary priests in the Old Testament because they would die. They didn't live forever. And so uh, 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 Levi, priest, he died. Samuel, priest, he died. The priests would die. And because of that, what they were doing for us, because they were human, because they would die, the atonement, because that's what the priest did. I used to come once a year with a lamb and my family and said, I'm bringing this lamb and I'm sacrificing this because of the sins that my family has done. God would see me take the lamb. The Bible says they would take it and put their hand on it. The transfer of the sins of the family would go into the lamb. They would kill the lamb and the blood of the lamb. God would look down and see the blood and the blood would cover or the blood would atone for the sins of my family for that year. So God said, OK, I'm going I see the blood over you and your family for this year, I'll see you again next year. And what would happen was the atonement or the forgiveness or the covering of the sin, that thing that was keeping away from God was temporary because the atonement was attached to the priests who were temporary. Well, the writer of Hebrews says that now we have a priest forever. And so because the atonement is attached to the priests, now we have a forever priest who is Jesus Christ. So therefore, the atonement that we have now is forever. So Paul, the writer said, I'm sorry, because Christ is forever priest, his ability is attached to his foreverness. So what the priest Jesus Christ, so what God can do now, because he is forever, 
His ability is attached to his foreverness. So his atonement, his ability to save is now forever. It is now permanent. Why? Because the priest is permanent. We're not changing priests. This priest isn't dying. The priest died already. Three days later, the priest got up. We talked about that a while ago. The priest got up. And so now with a forever permanent priest, we have a forever permanent atonement. And so the writer of Hebrews says, because of that, he is able to save completely. What is the word that God declares? We saw it. He declares that you are priest forever. That was the declaration. Priest forever. So because of that, his atonement power is attached to his attached to his foreverness. And so when he says that he is able to save completely. Perfectly, that word means for all times, for all eternities. So once we have trusted in Christ in our sins. Taken our sins, given him for ask for forgiveness. Allow God to take our heart of stone and turn it to heart of flesh. Once we are born again, the Bible says that he is able to save completely. Our response, look what the writer says. I'll read it again. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who, King James says, draw near to God. My version says those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Our response, what am I supposed to do? Because God is able to save. My response is to draw near to him. I am to consistently and continually find myself in the presence of God. That's a good word there. That word draw near uh, in the original language is a compound word. It has facing and come. And so what it means is to come in his face. Be in the face of God, wherever God is, be there, find him and get in his face. We talked about that a little bit before, being in the presence of God. When you're in the presence of someone, different people, your countenance change, your attitude change, your response change. When you're in the presence of God, make sure that you are treating him and you are treating, uh, uh, aligning yourself in the presence of who you are. That word also emphasizes a continual activity. That means I am to continue to find myself in the face of God. I am to continue. Where is God? Oh, that's where I'm going to be. How do I respond? Well, let's look at God because he's right here because I'm in his face. <laughs> so because where I'm going, where I'm operating, the face of God is right there. It's like he's sitting there looking. OK, Olu, you're here with me. What are we doing with this one? Well, God, well, what, what do you say we do? Because I'm here in your presence. So this situation I'm in, you are in this situation with me. I'm drawn near to you. And that's a continued thing. Why? Because he is priest forever and he's able to save completely. So being that he is able, my response is to constantly be where he is. Peter uses that same rules, Hebrews, James, turn a couple of books over to first Peter chapter one, verse five. Peter says it a little different than the writer of Hebrews does, but it's the same thing. Peter says, uh, I'll read verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, watch this, undefiled and unfading. When we talked about, Hebrews says forever. He's able to save forever. Uh, uh, in heaven kept for you, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. You are being guarded by God's power. King James says we are kept 
by the power. We are kept by the ability of God. God is able. The other thing that God, another thing that God is able to do, and this may be my favorite one. I said that a couple times today. Uh, not my favorite book, but this may be my favorite uh, uh, <laughs> dialogue in Scripture. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. We went through the book of Daniel, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. Very hard book to go through. Uh, actually, 1 through 8, chapter 1 through 8 was cool, but once we get to 9 through 12, that was hard. Um, but in Daniel chapter 3, we're going to see another thing God is able to do. So a little bit of context, the story, you know, what happened to the children of Israel, they were disobedient to God. God said, I'm going to send, told Jeremiah, I'm going to send this guy named Nebuchadnezzar from this uh, land called Babylon. He's going to come in and enslave you guys, capture you, do whatever he wants to do with you. And that happened. So Nebuchadnezzar came. The Bible says he went to Jerusalem. He found the best and the brightest. And he took them. He killed a lot of people, too. Historians say that Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their families may have been murdered, and they snatched them up as they were young, brought them back to Babylon, and he forced them to work for him. And we know the different stories that happened. Uh, uh, we're not going to eat meat, all those things that happened. When we get to chapter 3, the boys were a little older. Nebuchadnezzar was filling himself. You know the story, so he built himself a statue. And he says, at 3 o'clock today, I'm going to play some music. The band's going to play, and I want everybody to bow down to my golden statue. Very tall statue. And the word went out, hey, uh, what are we doing today? Oh, yeah, uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar built the statue, so at 3, he wants everybody to, uh, to bow down. Everybody good? Okay. Uh, any issues? What? Shirak, what's that? What's the problem? Yeah, we're not going to bow down. What do you mean you're not, you're not going to bow down? Listen, it's 3 o'clock. Just bow, man. Just, just, we don't need you, you and your boys today to be tripping. Just bow. No, we're not going to do it. Shadrach's going to be some issues, man. Just bow down. Not happening. So <laughs> everybody got together. The trumpet starts playing. The music starts playing. And then somebody went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, King, listen, um, first of all, you're cool and everything. We love you. Everybody's good with the statue. Everything's cool except for a, a couple of guys. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they're saying they're not going to bow down. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He said he was furious. What verse is that? Uh, so he, <laughs> he said, uh, verse 13, Daniel 3, 13. Then in a furious rage, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true? That you don't serve my gods or worship the golden statue I've set up? Now, if you're ready, I'm going to give you one more chance. I like you guys. I like your boy Daniel. Okay? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lair, when you hear the music playing, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you do not worship it, you will be immediately thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is a god that can rescue you from my power? So Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible he was furious. That word there means he was, well, you know what furious means. <laughs> he was at the point saying, are you kidding me? I'm going to give you one more chance. When you heard the music, play. This is a dialogue. It's one of my favorite dialogues in the Bible. Uh, 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 so many things I'd love to get into. We don't have time to. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to get into a little bit. The three of them... <laughs> 
because it's crazy to me. This isn't one guy. Shaq Rackin and Shay, hey man, I don't care what y'all do, I'm gonna do it. And the Bendigo like, you crazy. I'm, I'm gonna bow, man. It's not really gonna me. The three of them, what was it about them that the three of them had came to this resolve, had came to this idea? Did they talk about it before? Hey man, you heard about what happened with the king? Yeah, man, it's crazy. What, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I'm not bowing for that dude. I guess not, right? Right? Yeah, we can't do that. Okay. Y'all know we're gonna die, right? Yeah, we're probably gonna die. Okay. So we good? We good. I mean, I, I, I want to go back to the conversation they had. You know what I mean? They stepped up. Shadrach, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> we don't need to give you an answer to this question. <laughs> These dudes, what in the world? If the God we serve exists, then he can, watch the words here, he can rescue us from the furnace a blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. The King James says, the God who we serve is able to deliver us from the fire, and he is able to deliver us from you. Now, it's, it's, like I said, it's so many things going on here. you got to picture this. These were young guys. Okay, they were like 13 or 14 when they got captured. This is about two chapters, two chapters later. So they were, I would say, high teens, maybe mid-20s. Okay? This is King Nebuchadnezzar. He is the ruler of the planet right now. The, the known world, he took it all over. <laughs> After him, the Medes and the Persians were going to come and take what he had. The Greeks were going to come, and then the Romans. So think about Rome all the way back then. He had it. Okay? The, the, the boy said, the God we serve. Look, look what that means. Turn to John chapter 12 real quick. John chapter 12, the God we serve, because every, every phrase of what they said lends to the uh, 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 incredibleness of what was happening right now. John chapter 12, verse 26. Just for some context here. This is Jesus talking. What does that mean, the God we serve? Why did they start with that? But Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what it means to serve. John chapter 12, verse 26, Jesus said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So off the bat, Jesus said, you know what it means to serve me? That means you are following me. To serve means to follow. And I like the context he said, where I am, there you will be. That's what the follow means. Okay, so the guys came back. You can go back to Daniel. The guy said, listen. Oh, by the way, that word follow, <laughs> the word that Jesus used, that's another, that's the word means united together walking down a road. So Jesus said, if you serve me, that means you will be united with me walking down a road. So if I'm united with my son, we are united Together, walking down the road, united. So where I go, he's going. When I stop, he stops. When I change direction, he changed direction. 
That's what it means to follow. Thank you, sir. So when Jesus said to serve me means you follow me, that means that where Jesus is going, I'm going. What Jesus is thinking, I'm thinking. What Jesus is doing, I'm doing. How Jesus responds to this situation, I'm responding to this situation. I serve God. Do you? Because serve means to follow. And follow means that Every response, every place you go, you are doing exactly what God, what Jesus would do. And that follow leads to obedience. So if you serve him, you obey. The boy said, our God that we serve. That's how they started off the sentence. Our God that we serve. Who are they facing? Well, I already said it. They're facing Nebuchadnezzar. He's a ruler of the world at that time. He's a man who went down and destroyed their family. He's a man who went down and he, he's actually the one who's governing their finances because they work for him. He's the one who their physical well-being, as far as authority on this earth, is in his hand. He can declare them dead and they will die. So their family, their finances, and their physical all dictated by this tyrant ruler of the earth. Their reputation. They, they were out, this happened in front of everybody. And so all the people they work with, all the people they know, all their friends, all the family that was there, they're looking out and was like, seriously, these dudes again? <laughs> Just bow down, man, so we can get this over with. It's three o'clock, we bow, we go. It don't mean nothing. Just, just do it. Don't rock the boat. Don't be those guys. Their reputation was at hand. They were facing the fire. Have you ever been burned, anybody? You ever been burned by fire? You're doing something to cook and you burn your hand? Hot comb? Not a lot of hot combs been using here. <laughs> Curling irons. There we go. <laughs> you use hot comb? Okay, good. There we go. All right, I remember my sister get burned, well, my mom get burned with a hot comb. They're using a hot comb. Like, why are you doing that? Then? It's hot metal you're putting on your neck. Just stop. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was in a fire. Y'all know my fire story. Taking a shower, open the door, said, why is the hole so bright? <laughs> and I stepped over and I saw my room was engulfed in flames. <sighs> oh, this is interesting. It was hot. Okay? It, it, was, it was hot. And I knew that if I didn't move quickly, actually it didn't hit me then, it hit me a couple of seconds later. If I didn't move quickly, then I was going to be engulfed by those flames. Those boys were facing the fire. And they were also facing immediate and imminent death. In the midst of that, the tyrant ruler at that time, the guy who was in charge of their family, their finances, and their physical, their reputations, fire, and imminent death, they said, the God we serve is able to deliver us. No matter who is in charge of whatever aspect of your life, if they are earthly, whether it's an earthly authority, whether it's a spiritual authority, every earthly and spiritual authority that exists, everything that seems to have control over your family, your finances, your physical well-being, anything that goes on, the Hebrew boys reminded us as they looked in the face of Nebuchadnezzar and says, the God 
we serve, we follow, <laughs> that we obey, he is able to deliver us from you. Their reputation. Now, the thing about a reputation, sometimes your reputation dictates how people respond to you. Sometimes your reputation dictates how people treat you. Sometimes your reputation dictates what happens to you, people's viewpoint of you, how they engage with you, etc. Their reputation was at stake. Everybody was doing it. Everybody was ready to bow. Why are you guys tripping? I need to do this because if I don't, it might mess up my... I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and get it, do it because if I don't, then down the road, you know, this might probably be wrong and I don't feel too good about this, but I need to because I have to worry also about the boys looked at it and said, the God we serve is able to deliver us. Think about the fire. Think about physically, mentally, emotionally. What is that all-consuming thing that has the ability to destroy you? Okay? That furnace, the Bible said it was on fire, that, that Nebuchadnezzar even told him, turn it up even hotter. What is that thing in your life, be it emotional, be it uh, mental, be it physical, that's out there that's like, oh my goodness, I can't, that's going to destroy me. It's no way I can stand inside of that. It's no way those things can happen to me and I come out on the other side. The boy said that God is able to deliver us from the fire. And then that imminent death. The reason we were praying for Louisa is because we knew that God is able. The doctor said, okay, you know what, Jaji, you need to get your family together, come on down. We said, okay, we hear you, doctor. <laughs> but like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God we serve, the God we follow, the God we obey, he is able to deliver Loiza. So because he's able, I'm going, my response is I'm going to go before the throne. And I'm going to talk to the good doctor. <laughs> I'm going to say, doctor, we know what the earthly authorities and powers and rulers are saying. But like the Hebrew boy said, that God is able to deliver. And that's not my favorite portion of their phrase, of what they said. This is it right here. He said, our God is able to deliver us from the, your power from the fire. Verse 18. But if he does not. That, that's, that's something else. That's something else. Because what they said was, we serve, we follow, we obey. The God that we serve, follow, obey has the ability, has the power. He is able to deliver us. And I don't know if somebody in the background was like, but what if you don't? <laughs> you sure about that? I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar's face was. Maybe Nebuchadnezzar's like, face was like, <laughs> oh, really? I don't know, but whatever it was, they turn around and says that God we serve is able, but if he does not, so much, I don't know what's the word, maturity, uh, 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 doctrine is in that. What those Hebrews boys at that young age, they were able to distinguish 
between God's ability and what he's able to do and what happens. There's a distinction between this. And until we understand this, we'll be confused by God for the rest of our lives. We'll be confused. We're like, well, God, why didn't you? I thought you were. I lost my faith. Because God, if he's a loving God, how could he allow this to happen? If, he, if, he, if he's supposed to be in charge, how could this happen? I don't believe a loving God would do X, Y, Z. So that's wrong theology. That's wrong doctrine. You're not reading the scripture saying. These boys said, oh, huh, don't trip. We know that the God that we serve, we follow and obey, he is able to deliver us. You're no match, Nebuchadnezzar, for God. Fire, you're no match for God. Friends and family, with your reputation and with your scathing eyes and with your judgment, you're no match for God, but he is able. So because of his ability, their response was continued obedience. We will not bow down. Not because God did something. Notice, their response was based on who God was. That's what we got to do, saints. We have to attach our response to who God is and not be swayed by what God does because what God does, he told us before, say, listen, I'm God, you ain't. He talked to Job. Job was like, what happened to this? Why didn't this happen? God said, were you here when I put the sun in the sky? Just a quick question, Job. When I made that star, that one, were you here when I did that? Oh, you weren't. Oh, that's right, because I'm God and you're not. So what I do, you won't even understand, so don't even try it. Job got that reality. The boys, whatever age they were, they had that reality. God is able, the one we serve to be. So my response is, I'm going to still obey, regardless of what happens to me, regardless of what happens. This might happen. That might happen. I might die. You know what? Today may be our last day that we breathe. But guess what? We going out serving, following, and obedient. They said, but if he chooses not to, but if he doesn't, even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Do you, saints, do you trust God? with a but if not boldness? Do you trust God with a but if not confidence? Do you serve God with a but if not obedience? That's what spiritual maturity is. That's what being in Christ is. That's what drawing near means. That's what being in the face of means. Because while them boys were standing there, Nebuchadnezzar was in front of them and the fire was burning because they had constantly drawn near to God. They were in his face. And so the face of God was there with them. And so they're looking at Nebuchadnezzar and they're looking at God. <laughs> and then they're looking at the fire and looking at God and saying, oh, this is not even a competition, B. Yeah, I see you and I see that. But I've been walking in the presence of God continually. I've been following him. I've been obeying. I've been serving. So because I know who he is, El Shaddai, 
power is attached to what he does. And so my response is continued obedience. You know the rest of the story. Nebuchadnezzar got even more furious. You see verse 19, it says, first it said before in 13, he was furious. Then in a furious rage, 19 said he was filled with rage. <laughs> Bible says the expression on his face changed. He was, he was, it was a wrap. He was done. The audacity of these kids looking at my face. I'm Nebuchadnezzar. And we know what God did. God chose to save. And, and I thought about that as we were praying for Loiza. I was sitting there, and, I, and then one time we were out there and with everybody, and I was praying, and I was thinking. I said, you know, God, I know you are able, but God, you may choose to take him. God may say, I hear your prayers. I see your faith. I know the pain and, and that this will cause, but it's the best for my glory that Loiza comes with me now. And any time during that, what was that, six-week period? God could have said, and now you're with me. And the wise have been walking down the street of gold. He's been face to face with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he would be like, woo! <laughs> this is it. I'm home. But we would have been a little more opposite of that. The question I was asking myself is, how am I going to respond if God decides to take him? Because I serve and I follow and obey, and I know he's able, but if he don't, how am I going to look at Jaji's face and talk to her and Helen and Lil Dave if God decides not to? How am I going to respond? Because God is able. I can't allow what happens to get me to forget who he is, to get me to stop following and get me to continue to stop uh, uh, obedience. And so I prayed. I prayed and prayed and I prayed. I said, God, we can fix this whole conundrum if you just keep him alive. <laughs> We ain't got to worry about that. And in God's mercy and in his grace and in his knowledge and his all-knowing and for his glory, the wise is with us today. And we thank God for that. But even if he wasn't, how that may even sound, God is able. And our response is continued obedience to that. Last verse, Ephesians 3.20. That's what we read today when we first started. <laughs> Paul was trying to explain God's power and his ableness. So Paul, and remember Paul, Paul was the smartest of all the writers in the Bible, okay? He, he, he had studied the scripture. He knew the, he knew the Old Testament by heart. The Bible said, Paul, Paul said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. When it came to the Pharisees, there was no one more Pharisee than me, okay? He said, I studied that thing since I was little. I knew this. Paul... And that's why when we look at Paul's writings against Peter's writings and John's writings, Paul has a level of intellect with his words. The words that he chooses are like, oh, my goodness, that's crazy. Paul was writing. He was trying to talk about the ability to power God. Paul could not find a word. He looked at his words, choices that he had for God's power and ability. He said, that's not going to work. That ain't it. That's not close. So Paul invented a word. <laughs> Paul came up with his own Greek Word in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. I'm going to write this down because he couldn't. Uh, 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 
he had to come up with a whole new word. The word that Paul came up with was hooper ek parisu. Hooper means over and beyond. Ek means out of. And this word means <laughs> abounding, abundant. So Paul said, now unto him who is able to hooper ek pariso, who is able to <laughs> over and beyond out of anything abundantly abound. <laughs> he wanted you to understand what he was saying. The abounding over and above and beyond abundance of the ableness of God. That's what he said. What over anything that you could ask or anything you think according to the power that's working within us. How do I access God's hooper et pariso, that overabounding, abundant, beyond ableness? Paul said that first you have to have that power that's in you. John 1.12 says, but as many as received them, to him gave he the power to become the sons of God. Paul also said, the Lord said in verse 20, the power according to the power that works within us. That word work, I don't have a lot of space. That word work is where we get our word energy from. That means there's an opera operation on display, active. That power needs to be active. It needs to be on display. People need to look at me and see God's overabunding, abounding, beyond ableness in my life. That's my response. And then Paul said, and to know uh, uh, according to the power that works in us. He's able to do these things to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able. His ableness is attached to who he is. His foreverness. His love, his mercy, his grace. And when we are faced with things, no matter what it is, no matter where it comes from, we need to remember who he is. And like those boys said, he is able. And I'm going to continue to serve. And I'm going to continue to follow. And I'm going to continue to obey, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the outcome, regardless of what happens, because I'm not looking at what happens and then deciding. I made a decision a long time ago that I'm going to walk arm in arm. <laughs> I'm going to be in his face. I'm going to obey. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your ability. We thank you how your ability is attached to your power and attached to who you are. So that every word you declare, as the angel told Mary, has power, God. So we thank you, God, for those things you declare, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You thank you for those things you declare, God, that you have power to heal, that you have power to save completely, that you have power and you're able to deliver, God. And I pray that we, like those Hebrew boys, like Mary, like the children of Israel, like, like Joshua and Moses, God, that we will associate our operation, our, uh, 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 what we do, God, what's on display, and our activities are attached to our serving and our obedience and our following of you. So that, God, we will operate in a way such that others will see that we can bring others to you, God, no matter the circumstance. We thank you, God, for your ableness. We thank you for how your word reminds us, God. And I pray that our response will always line up how they should be. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.